When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we're waiting. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another Golf Unfiltered podcast, episode 80. Can't believe we made it this far. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, editor-in-chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. Find me on Twitter, Adam I'm sorry, find me on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered. You'd think after 80 episodes, you'd know I can get my intro down right. Uh, send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and a few other places. Uh, have you guys figured out the difference between Snapchat and Instagram, uh, what is it called? Movies? Moments? Is that Twitter? I don't even know what it's called. What am I supposed to do with the two of them? I'm seeing people using both. I have no idea what, what which I'm supposed to use. Instagram, the whatever they are, they're called, movies. I don't even know. I should probably look this up before I start talking about it. But well, are they just Instagram stories? I don't know. But you can't really do anything with them. You just watch them. You can't like them. You can't do anything with them. Am I supposed to be doing that? I don't know. Whatever. We'll get it figured out. But at any rate, you can find me in any of those. We it is a uh, 5:40, about quarter to six uh, in the evening on Sunday, uh, August 14th. Here in uh, the Chicagoland area, we are just about an hour off of the first Olympic gold medal in 112 years, and silver and bronze medals as well <laughs> that were awarded. And uh, just oh god, there's so much going on in, in golf these days. But obviously, the hot topic is the Olympic uh, golf finish with Justin Rose winning the gold medal, Henrik Stenson coming in at second with the silver medal, and then out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, Cooch, Matt Kuchar for the Americans takes the bronze with a stellar 63 in his final round to finish the best out of any of the uh, Americans that went, uh, any of the four that made their way to Rio. Of course, Matt Kuchar was joined by Patrick Reed, who played like shit. Didn't do much all week, based on what I could see, and I did have the opportunity to watch a little bit of the golf, so I'm not just, you know, talking out of my ass this time, even though I'm certainly prone to do that. Uh, Ricky Fowler, kind of in the same boat, did have a strong showing in his third round, I believe. That I'm talking a little out of my ass with that one, <laughs> but I know that he went pretty low uh, in his front nine, I believe, in either the second and third round. And you know, it just it wasn't a great showing for either Ricky or Patrick Reed. And of course, Bubba Watson was pretty strong throughout the the Olympics. Uh, didn't finish where he wanted to finish. Uh, obviously, seeing him bring home a medal probably would have been as wild as Patrick Reed doing the same as far as a uh, participatory uh, or a or anticipated reaction of those two. Uh, you'd have to think that if Patrick Reed won any, any hardware this week, he'd just go absolutely bananas, but unfortunately he did not. But instead we have G. Golly, gosh darn it, uh, Matt Kuchar. But hey, great. I did not anticipate an American uh, placing 
<laughs> I got to be honest, meddling in Olympic speak. Uh, Justin Rose played out of his mind. And, you know, speaking of reactions, watching the way that he reacted when he won his gold medal, or at least when he knew uh, it was all over, I think we could pretty much safely say that these guys were extremely excited to, to be a part of the Olympic Games for the first time on a golf course in 112 years. And all of the detractors, the the Brexit <laughs> individuals who decided not to go to Brazil to compete. Obviously, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, the list goes on and on. Some, I'm sure, probably regret it. It's hard for us to see and hard for us to say, obviously. We're not them. We don't know how they're feeling when they see these things. But honestly, if I had the opportunity to go over there, Zika be damned, Zika, whatever, however you say it, you know, I, I was wrong. I was a really big detractor. I was in that boat with them. I was very much in that same boat. I, I didn't think that it was that big of a deal. I thought that there was a lot more golf that could have been played and w would be played uh, throughout now to the end of this calendar year and the professional circuit that deserved more attention than what was going on in Rio. But, hey, I'm wrong. I have to admit that. I had a blast as a fan watching Olympic golf, even in, in short spurts. Uh, we're doing some work over at uh, Golf Unfiltered HQ on our ground level, so I had to kind of stream Olympic golf over the uh, NBC Sports app, and luckily Golf Channel uh, was also able to uh, take care of those of us who could only watch on the Internet. But, and it was great, you know. Uh, for whatever reason, the NP NBC uh, stream on their website took a poop at, at some point. I was no, never unable, I was never able to get it back up. But uh, luckily the smartphone app and all that, I was able to do so. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. And, you know, one of the pet peeves that came out of this week, and I already kind of mentioned it, it was just a lot of people in the media, I'm pretty sure I didn't do it. <laughs> Someone's going to keep me honest on that. Uh, but everyone kind of saying how much these guys regret it, uh, those who didn't go, regretting not going. We don't know. We, there's no way we could know that. And it, it just it kept coming up. And it, even on Wednesday, before the first official tee shot even was hit, uh, people were saying that just because there was so much fanfare. And obviously all the, the, the atmosphere and all the things that go along with the Olympic Games was on full display as it is every four years, opening ceremonies, everything going on. Seeing Michael Phelps just dominate, which we talked about last podcast. Seeing Katie Ledecky dominate. Seeing just so many American Olympians meddling over and over again. And I believe, I didn't get the last medal count, but I think we're pretty much on top of everyone at this point, and it's not even close. And to see all of that, and for a golfer to now understand, an American golfer even, to understand that you are now part of this, for the first time in over a century, that's gotta that's gotta carry some weight, and that's putting it lightly, I think. And while all of that is true, I, I just for some reason it really bugged me. I don't know why. It really bugged me seeing on Twitter, uh, reading on various websites and, and news outlets that these guys who did not go to Rio were were regretting it now. I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of you saw. On Instagram, 
uh, Dustin Johnson posting something with him and, and his uh, fiance or wife or whatever. I, I thought they got married. Apparently they didn't. But his fiance, uh, fiance Paulina, you know, oh, that he seems to be doing fine. Really, re- not regretting going to Rio. You know, whatever. I. It's it's another narrative that just kind of popped up for the week, and I hope that it, it just dies. I, it's not going to. We're going to be talking about this whole "oh, did they regret not going" thing for at least another month. But it's just another one of those annoying things that that popped up. But uh, probably not as annoying as the continued narrative of uh, how the Olympics doesn't need golf. Now. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, and you guys can go on to golfandfilter.com and you can read an article that I wrote about the debacle. I think it was the headline was the debacle that is the Rio Olympics. And to a point, it, 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 there was a there was a big risk that this could have been just a complete shit show. I mean, there was a huge risk for that. A lot of the big names weren't going. A fair number of big names still ended up going, and quite frankly, you know, it was one of those things where you, you knew who was got, he was going, and if you didn't, all it would have required was just a quick internet search, and you could see all the, the names of the athletes from the different countries that were going to go over there. But until you actually saw the first tee and, and heard their names and saw them on camera, at least for me, I was like, wow, this guy went over? Ah, that's cool. You know, we got to see Sergio Garcia without a hat, <laughs> at least for one day. That was weird. But there were a lot of good players over there. A lot of great players, especially Europeans. Um, uh, it was it was great golf throughout the week. And I I may have been a little overdramatic on, on this one thing I put out on Twitter, but at, at one point, it actually felt like a major to me. Certainly not the Masters, certainly not the U.S. Open even. Probably not even the Open Championship, but certainly on par, pun intended, with the PGA Championship, especially this year's. I mean, Jimmy Walker winning that, I mean, that was a snooze fest the entire week until the last two holes, to the 71st and 72nd holes, with Jason Day hitting a two-iron 254, which is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. That's a, not to go off on a tangent on that, but holy hell, the ball's flying too far. It was an amazing shot anyway, but at any rate, it, the the... Olympic Games Rio this week did feel at least similar to the PGA Championship in my mind. But, you know, there's just a lot of positives that came out of this week. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about just just this, these stupid narratives. Uh, I forget who wrote it, and quite frankly, it's probably a good thing that I forgot who wrote it. But somebody wrote some nonsense that actually got posted on CBS about how the... the I think it was that the, the Olympics doesn't need golf. Or, or something like that. I don't know. It's all, It was almost as dumb. Uh, for those of you who saw it, it was almost as dumb as whoever wrote about... Uh, Darren Ravel shared this on Twitter. It was whoever... When the Nike thing happened, when Nike announced that they're out of the golf business, at least the equipment side, somebody wrote that this spells the end of the game. Oh, Jesus. I, You know, I don't... I've, I've written about golf for a long time. For over 10 years now. And... I understand that you have... We've talked about this on this podcast. You have to write about certain topics in order for clicks and page views on your website. And it pays off, quite literally in many instances, to take the extreme uh, stance or angle or viewpoint, the contrarian viewpoint, if you will. But holy shit, guys. I mean, this... this some of these these topics that have been coming up have just been absolutely ridiculous. It's almost onion-worthy. 
and uh, and reputable quote unquote reputable news sites like CBS and BBC and you know the Guardian oh god anyway let's not let that get us down on what was a great week for golf for the sport now a third narrative I guess that we can all that we will probably continue to hear about uh, especially as the women's uh, the women's <laughs> the the female uh, golfers get to go uh, a little bit later in the week it's their turn and uh, I imagine that that's going to be amazing as well. Uh, talk about a professional uh, level golf association or level of play that is world dominated. And certainly the United States is an underdog in many instances. I mean, we've got a lot of great players going over the, for the U.S. You know, I just still, I think we're going to get just creamed by a bunch of players that we see, for those of you who who actually care to watch the LPGA, like myself, um, we're going to see just these huge names just continue to do the things that they like to do. And they're so good at it. And it's night and day, in my opinion at least, it's night and day with how good the world golfers, so basically everyone outside of the United States, is in comparison to uh, the U.S. It's not even close, in my opinion. But one of the narratives we're going to hear, continue to hear, is how this is going to benefit the game long term. Is it going to, you know, spark interest in the game in areas that normally golf isn't regular played regularly? I, I'm not sold on that yet. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. That's always the the aim for it. It's always the goal. But you, you can't tell, and you you won't be able to know. I don't even know how you're going to measure that. You're going to measure just a spike in overall rounds played globally uh, from this point forward? I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me to do it that way, but that might be one metric. It's What's interesting about this conversation, and, and this one is actually not a bad uh, not a bad narrative. It's actually one that I think warrants some discussion because, let's face it, golf, it's not dying. Idiot, whoever wrote that when Nike Golf announced uh, but it could, it could always use help. I'm always in favor of growing the game however we can. And if that means that the Olympic Games was the best way to do that, and we're going to have, I don't know, more people in South Africa or more people in, I don't know, Nigeria, Spain, wherever, United States for that matter, pick up a golf club and play, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And if you say that you're all for it and, you're, and you agree with me, don't be the guy that's going to get pissed off when you see a lot of young kids at your local municipal who's holding up, uh, you know, the the first tee. It kind of comes with the territory. If you're going to get more people into the game, you can't get pissed off when they're out there trying. This is the digression podcast. I think I keep going off on these tangents, and I apologize for that. But there's just so many thoughts that go along with with what happened this week. And, you know, it's interesting when you when you talk about and you try to think of other sports that followed a similar path, there aren't many that we know of, at least in our lifetime, uh, that went through the Olympic Games for a, you know, it was a, it was a well-established professional entity, then went through the Olympic Games in the hopes of getting more people to, to uh, play the game. What's interesting about that is uh, Shane Bacon over at uh, Fox Sports, on the Clubhouse Pod, if you've not checked that out, it's a great podcast. I highly recommend it. He had David Fay, the uh, uh, 
uh, ex-head guy over at um, the USGA uh, when things actually <laughs> were running a little bit more smoothly. Um, David Fay actually compared it to tennis. And tennis, uh, apparently, I forget which year he mentioned, I think it was in the 80s at some point, uh, tried a similar approach. Tennis wasn't always part of the Olympic Games, apparently. I didn't know that. Um, but it, now it is, and it's very much an individual sport, unless you're playing doubles. And I don't know how much of an impact that's had globally. Uh, I, I get the impression, when I watch tennis on television, I get the impression that it's very popular worldwide. Not as popular as soccer slash football, however, wherever you come from, however you, you call it, or whatever you call it. Um, but it's, it's certainly in the same ballpark, maybe on the upper level, <laughs> but it's in the same ballpark as, as uh, uh, soccer. Uh, but I, will golf follow that same path? I, I think it's too early to tell. I, I don't see it going that route. I hope it does. Let me know what you think about that. Uh, reach, reach me on Twitter, again, at Golf Unfiltered. So, you know, aside from that, you know, we got a lot of stuff coming up in the pro game. We've got the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up. Obviously, we had the John Deere Classic uh, finishing up today, actually. I have paid absolutely zero attention to that. Um, and that's really, really sad because it's the only PGA Tour event that takes place in my state uh, up at Silvis, Illinois, which is about, I don't know, two-hour drive from where I'm seated uh, right now. Um, last I heard, Zach Johnson was uh, playing really well. Um, I guess I could look it up here on the interwebs, but, you know, I really don't care. Um, but we've got a few other events to come up, and then we've got the FedEx Cup playoffs, as I mentioned, followed, uh, of course, by the Ryder Cup a little bit later in September, which I'm extremely excited for. And I always am, every every few years. I mean, it's... It is... It's the, before the Olympics, it's it's the best taste, you know, combined with the President's Cup, it's the best taste of country versus country, or in this instance, section of the world versus the United States. You know, it's just, there's a lot of patriotism, there's a lot of history, of course, tied to it. We all know the story with the Ryder Cup. There's a lot that has yet been said and written about, what are we still calling them the big three? Rory, Jason, Jordan. I think Bubba has now moved up into that conversation, uh, world rankings-wise. I think he's actually number four now. Um, where does Justin Rose fit into this? Where does Henrik Stenson fit into this? You know, Stenson probably more so than Justin Rose, even though he won a silver medal to Justin's gold. Uh, I mean, he, who else is playing better than him than Stenson right now on the planet? But we're, we talk kind of in circles about these folks, and and what le, what what is left to be said about these these players? Do we want to see, as I mentioned last podcast when we talked about dominance in the Olympic Games, something that we've seen with Michael Phelps, who's got what twenty three gold medals now, more than most countries in the history of of the Olympic Games? I think I read a stat somewhere, not counting how he performed. I believe in 2016 he was ranked 62nd or 64th all time on the list of countries. That's incredible. Do we want to see that in golf, or or do we are we happy with where we are right now? You know, there's a lot to be said about 
you know, the old adage, you know, be happy with what you got. And I think we should be. I think that we, we should be ecstatic right now. We've just witnessed all of us who are who's listening to this, who, who reads the words that I write, and who reads any words that are written or, or said about the game and any outlet. We all just witnessed something for the first time in our lifetime. And we should be making a bigger deal out of that. We should really hold Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, and Matt Kuchar into in a, a much higher regard than we have. And it's it's something that we're going to have to really begin to embrace a little bit more, I think. We've done a fine job, you know, with the absence of Tiger in this post-Tiger era. We still have a few uh, of the older greats, quote-unquote. You know, Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, Ernie still hangs around. Believe it or not, like him or not, Vijay Singh is still capable of going low every so often, even though he's a complete dick. But we've got these these names that are kind of the, the, the lingering remnants of the past in the midst of all of these great players. Yet, you got guys like me who sit back and, and as I said last week, really yearn for that, that dominating force. You know, I, I really like that. But then I see something like what we saw in Rio. What's better? I, I don't know. Am I missing out on appreciating something that I just saw and millions of us across the globe just saw with Justin Rose being absolutely crazy ecstatic, winning a gold medal? I, does it get any better than that? I don't, I don't think it does. So I think, uh, at least for me, I'm going to have to reevaluate my fandom at this point. I'm going to have to reevaluate the perspective that I'm looking at the game from. And as somebody who talks about the game, as somebody who writes about the game, who loves this game, talks about it every week with you guys, or at least tries to, I have to have different perspectives on it. I have to look at it from a objective standpoint, but I'm also allowed to be a fan because I don't necessarily work for a large outlet. But for me, the subjectivity, as I just mentioned, comes in the form of, well, I want to know who's dominating. Well, it's not going to happen anymore. And so it's an interesting perspective. It's kind of a, a uh, reality check in a way to really fully understand and appreciate what's going on in front of me, in front of all of us, on TV or in person. If you have the opportunity, you'll see a live PGA Tour event. And to really understand and, and love what's going on. Very, very interesting stuff. As from the equipment side, you've probably seen a lot of pieces that have gone up on the site. I'm doing a lot more reviews. A lot more to come, too. It's a all of a sudden, it's it's an extremely busy equipment time here at, at uh, Golf and Filtered HQ. Just had the opportunity to test out uh, the Encore golf balls. For those of you who aren't familiar with this uh, independent golf brand, um, they feature a golf ball that has a metal core. Uh, they have two golf balls, actually. One's called the Caliber, which is Tour Caliber, hence the name. It's a three-piece that, of course, includes the, the metal uh, core. And then there's the Avant, which is uh, essentially a two-piece ball, both of which uh, I used both this past weekend, actually, at uh, my favorite course in the area, Cantini, uh, in Wheaton, Illinois. Played awful. Uh, wasn't feeling too great out there. Um, got some health stuff going on. But overall, uh, the golf balls off the tee were phenomenal. And as you'll probably read on the piece on golfandfilter.com, I was not very pleased, unfortunately, 
with how they handled around the green. Uh, not a lot of spin, pro certainly not as much as uh, other golf balls from independent club makers or independent uh, uh, golf ball makers, I should say. Um, I'm, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because I, I'm a huge supporter of independent golf brands. I, I love them. Uh, hint, hint, any of you who are listening who, who may know an independent golf brand, look me up. I'm more than happy to talk with you. I'm more than happy to take – I'd love to try out your stuff. Um, but it, it just seems like, at least from the golf ball perspective, not many get it right. There aren't many that, that really find the, the right balance of technology and dimple pattern or, or physics or whatever uh, to really make it a, a ball that I would probably want to play day in and day out. Uh, Snell Golf is probably the brand from an independent standpoint that I would play the most. Um, Vice Golf is also really good. My favorite was 3-Up Golf, but we all know what happened to that, and for those of you who don't know, you can go back and listen uh, to that podcast uh, a few few episodes ago when I talked to uh, Rob Zimmerman. But uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to try these new these new products out to see how they'll perform in comparison to the big boys. You know, Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, Bridgestone, my favorite at least. Um, and, you know, I encourage you all to do the same as well because, you you know, long story short, you can go out and you can get a dozen golf balls of, of high quality. Probably not the highest quality, mind you, although Snell is very damn close. You can go out and get a dozen golf balls for a fraction of the price that you would have to pay to get Pro V1s or any high uh, tour caliber goals, uh, balls from any of the big names. So... More to come on those, though. I'm looking at many pieces of equipment that I have to test yet, so there's going to be a lot of things that are coming down the pipe. Look those. Uh, look for those. Bleh. Look for those on the uh, the site soon. Uh, we're going to have a guest, hopefully a little bit later in the week. So, uh, maybe two guests, actually. It seems to be a very busy time now. A lot, of, a lot of schedules are kind of overlapping right now. we got a lot of stuff going on over here at HQ, like I've been saying. Um Hopefully we could squeeze a lot of people in this week. If not, then certainly we'll space it out and just make it a little bit easier on ourselves, right? But if you are a brand that wants to uh, let us know and let our readers and listeners know about your new product or service, send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Send me a direct message on Twitter, at golfunfiltered. Hell, you can just send me a regular message. I'm sure many people would love to read about it. Uh, you can look me up at Facebook as well. Not a lot of traffic goes on Facebook. Not a lot of stuff up there, but we... You can find us. We're at Golf Unfiltered. And as I mentioned, we have an Instagram and Snapchat account as well. And I'm still trying, like I said earlier, to figure out the differences between the two uh, because they are so damn similar. Uh, but until uh, a little bit later this week, uh, take care of yourselves, and we will talk again soon.